0: Yesterday, we began to look at Article 1 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. These articles, which were adopted in May of 1847, are still the Articles of Faith that we adhere to today. Article 1 says, We believe in one true and living God, and that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. In yesterday's message, we began to look at the fact that God is the one true God. And this means that he is truly God, and we're not. It also means that there is no other God beside him, and he is the creator and the sustainer and the upholder of all things. In today's message, we conclude this thought in preparation for tomorrow's message, which deals with the fact that God is the living God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Hear
1: the blessed Savior calling me oppressed. Oh, ye have ye laid to me and rest. Come no longer tear me, I alone will bear. Bring me every word.
0: No, Genesis chapter 1 really tells us all we need to know about God. If we just read it and study it and let it say what it says and mean what it says, Genesis 1 tells us what we really need to know about God. We need, a, we need as children of God, a Genesis 1 idea of God. Uh, Genesis 1 idea of God. See, notice in the very first verse of, of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Notice what he did. He created something out of no thing. <laughs> create, the word create literally means to bring into being or to cause to exist we need to understand and not be like these scoffers that God created all of this out of nothing. He created something out of no thing, okay? Now, if you believe this, if you believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, it's not too much trouble to believe he made an, axe, an iron axe head float, is it? It's not too much trouble to believe that he caused the sun to stand still for Joshua during a battle, is it? It's not too much trouble to believe that he was able, when he was here as a man, to heal the lepers and to, and to, and to make the blind see and to open the ears of the deaf and, and then ultimately to have power over death. If he's got power to create something out of nothing, he's got power to do a whole lot more. <laughs> If you can get past this, we we ought to be able to accept anything we read in the Word of God. We need a Genesis 1 idea of God. If we believe that, you can believe what he says over in Romans chapter 4. Listen to this. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. The context here is Abraham's faith. And he says in verse 16, "...therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace..." To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. By the way, I believe that's a reference to the fact that the promise of God and salvation is sure. It's not chancy. It's not iffy. It is sure, and we ought to have faith to trust Him that our salvation is sure, not just to all those who might by chance hear the gospel and respond to it, but to all those who are His seed. Not only to that which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him. Now listen to this. Before him whom he believed, that's before God who Abraham believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. (laughs) I like that. I like to, you know, make pronouncements, grand pronouncements in my household when my kids were younger. I'd get up, we'd prepare to go on a trip, and I would declare we will leave at 7 o'clock on Monday morning. I'm declaring that to be so, and I expect it to come to pass. And if we ever made that deadline, Brother Glendon, I don't remember it. (laughs) The things I declared to come to pass don't always come to pass. In fact, they almost never come to pass. But God is able to call those things which be not as though... They were. You know, the most clear vision of that is the resurrection. The resurrection hadn't happened yet, but yet in Romans chapter 8 and verses 29 and 30, he lays out some things that God, that he has done for us in salvation. Whom he did foreknow he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated past tense, then he also called past tense. That's the new birth there, I believe. We'll talk about that in a later message. Uh, moreover, whom he called, then he also justified. That's the death of Jesus on the cross. It's happened in the past. But Now listen to this. Moreover, whom he justified, them he also glorified in the past. And and, and I, I said it before, I'll say it again. You can look at me and tell I'm not glorified yet. I'll let you in on a little secret. I can look at you and tell you're not glorified yet, okay? But in the mind and purpose of God, it already has happened because it's so sure to happen because he's the God that can call those things which be not as though they were just like he did in creation. We believe in creation, we can believe in God in every promise that He's made, because He spoke it, and it was so, going back to Genesis 1. He spoke it and it was so. Look at verse two, just continuing reading there, in Genesis one and verse two, or we'll go back to verse one. "In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters." Now listen to this, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be, and there was. And By the way, if you keep reading here, you're going to notice something interesting. There was light before there was a sun or a moon. He doesn't create the sun and the moon until over about the fourth day. God is able. God is able. To say let there be and there will be. And, and you, don't, you can just read sometime in Genesis in the first chapter here in verse 7, 9, 11, 15, 24, and 30. There's a little phrase in there, and it was so. You know what happened? God said in verse 6, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And down in verse 7, it says, God made the firmament. And he he says at the end of that, he says, and it was so. See, that's our God. He spoke it, and it was so. Let me tell you something, beloved. Our church, as I said, ought to have a big God view. Paul, the apostle, had a big God view. Over in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul said, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. There's too much in that verse to stop there for very long because we'd be here all day. He affirms the eternal nature of God, both in the future and from eternity past. He affirms the omnipotence of God. He affirms the fact that God is the creator. He says, by him were all things created that are in heaven or earth. And he names thrones and dominions and principalities. So when Nebuchadnezzar says, this is great Babylon that I've made, God says, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You've been a part of it, but you're not the one who made it. He spoke, and it was so over in Hebrews chapter 1, I believe it is about verse 3, he says he upholds all things by the word of his power. You know, I think about that sometimes. I've spent the last couple of months trying to organize stuff around the house. I've got all my tools now on the wall. I've got all the stuff I've accumulated through nearly 30 years of marriage and stuff that I'd go out there to find Brother Roger, and I couldn't find it, so I'd go buy me another one, now I've got two or three of them, you know. And I've been, I've been trying, to, trying to uphold all of that. I've been trying to get it all organized and keep it together. And even with all my organizational skills and all my efforts, I go out there the other day and the cats have knocked off one of my big tool holders, you know, and it's scattered everywhere. I can't even uphold a little thing by the word of my power. I, but God upholds all things by the word of his power. And something else that we need to see here, it's very important. Remember, he created something, he created everything out of nothing. He spoke it and it was so. But here's something we often tend to, to take away from God in our minds. He legislated and it was right. He declared the laws, that's what it means to legislate. He declared what the laws are and he was right. You know there are so many people today that look at God in the biblical the biblical uh, view of God and they said well that just wouldn't be right that's just not right but let me just say this to you with all the love I can muster in my heart I don't mean this in an arrogant or a, or a harsh way in any way but if God says it it is so if God says it's right it is right he has the authority to do that because he has all moral authority all moral authority resides in god that is a key principle in the kingdom of god that's why anything goes is not the theme song of the church because we believe we should submit ourselves to god and do what he says see what god says goes he has the right to legislate morality because he created morality in the first place. I mean, just read in Genesis again. Every time he'd get through with the day, he'd say, God looked upon it and it was good. God, he, he, saw, uh, he, he saw what he had done in verse 12, for example. He said, the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed. This was, this was the third day. It says, and God saw that it was good. And most importantly, over in the 31st verse, the very last verse of Genesis 1, It says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. You know what he's talking about there? Not only is the creation itself in a state of perfection, but the order that he put, the order that he created there in the garden was very good. You know, this was after the creation of man. Did you know man in his original state was very good? Think about where we are today. Paul, who is probably one of the greatest men who ever lived, probably one of the most moral men that's ever lived, said, I'm just the chiefest of sinners. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Adam didn't have to pray that. Adam had, In fact, Adam didn't have to pray at all. Adam got to walk with God and talk with God and fellowship with God in person because Adam, in his original state, was not tainted by sin. He had no sin nature. Oh, but by the time we get to the Apostle Paul, and oh, don't even talk about myself. Don't even talk about me. What a wretched man I am. Very good has become very bad. But you see, what God says goes. He has the authority to declare what is right. He has the authority to declare what's right in nature. He said, what I've created, the way I've created it, before Adam fell, is right. And over in the second chapter... Notice that he also has the right and the authority to declare what is right in morality. Look at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. Wait a minute. Where do you get off telling me what to do? Isn't that what we say? If I came up to you and commanded you to do something, well, <laughs> even if it was the right thing to do, you'd probably tell me to go jump in the lake. does God's commanding here? What is this? What's this all about? Well, you remember, He's the God that made it all. He's the God that spoke it, and it was so. It is His creation, and we're told over there in Colossians that we read earlier that it was created by Him and for Him. The book of Revelations, we're told, everything that was made was created for him. See, we're his. You know what Paul said in one place? And I know he's talking about children of God particularly, but he said, he said, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. See, that's why God is able to command. That's why God has the authority to command us. And he commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I want you to think about what was bound up in this one law that God gave the man. The concept of gratitude. Oh, God, you created me. We've already will have read here that He is put Adam in charge of the garden. You know, men throughout the ages of history have striven, Julius Caesar and others like him have striven to rule the known world. They want to be the ruler of the world. Adam was actually the ruler of the world. God put him in charge of the whole creation. He was located there in the garden, but all the creation answered to Adam. Adam had achieved what men have struggled to achieve ever since through wars and and tortures and all kinds of problems. And yet here, so in this law, God comes to him and says, Adam, here's what I don't want you to Actually, he didn't do that. <laughs> Something we need to remember. You know, the devil tried to focus on the negative, and he'll do that in your life, child of God. Oh, God won't let you. They don't have, the, they won't let you do this, and he won't let you. you you're, you're missing out on all the fun. But you know what God said? He didn't say, hey now, Hey boy. Don't you eat of this fruit. He said, Adam, I want to show you every tree in the garden. It's all yours, buddy. It's all yours, my son. You can eat of every tree in the garden, just not this one over here. Just not, you know, I've, I've told you this before, but when I was in my teenage years and got to where I could start driving, Mom and Daddy let me drive. They let me go places, and I've been the same way with my kids. But Daddy would say, okay now, you can go to um, any place over there in, in Tuscaloosa you want to go to. But just stay away from the Strip, especially back then. It was a pretty rough place. Just stay away from the Strip. But you can eat at Taco Casa. You can, eat it, you can, you can go out to eat it back then Piccadilly's. Man, you can go to all these. You can go to the movies. You do, just don't go down to Galette's on the Strip, you know. Well, what did I hear? I didn't hear, oh, man, Daddy's giving me all these options. That's so nice. No, he's, Daddy told me I better not go here. He's trying to keep me from something. <laughs> that's, that's where my mind went to, you see. But that's not what Daddy was doing, and that's not what God was doing. You remember, the, the devil says, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That's not what God said. God actually said, you shall eat of every tree of the garden except this one. You know what God was doing? See, think about what's wrapped up in this law. He's not over here forbidding him from something that would be good from him. He's protecting him from something that would be bad for him. And he's giving him the options that are, that are glorious out there. He could go pick a fruit off a tree and eat it without peeling it probably. He could, he could pick figs in the winter. He could pick uh, oranges in the outside the tropics. He could he could, get, he could get all that he wanted of nourishment without lifting a finger to till the ground and God said just don't eat this one don't eat of this one place think about think about how Adam ought to it probably did look at it at that point with gratitude God you're so good to me look at what you've given me God I love you loyalty God was teaching him loyalty I've done this for you and therefore you ought to follow me Order, he set up order in the, in the creation of this is where you should go and this is where you can't. You know, order is important to our society. Think about purity that was bound up in this law. What was the first thing that came to Adam's mind after he did eat of the fruit? It occurred to him for the first time that his wife was naked and that he was naked. Up to that point, he was just like a little, little baby, a little child running around. You know, when they're toddlers with no clothes on, they don't understand there's anything wrong with that. Adam didn't understand it, they were hid. But purity was being preserved. All the things we love and cherish today was bound up in this law. And God had the authority to do it regardless, but God didn't just do it to be arbitrary. And finally, as we bring this to a close, I want you to know something else here based on The idea of God is a big God. He not only had the authority to declare what is right, he had the authority to pronounce the sentence. And here he said, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. I want to say to you as we bring this to a close this morning that there's only ever been two systems of salvation preached in the world whether it's in the Christian realm or other religions. And that's either thou shalt surely die or thou shalt not surely die. And this is my point. Either man did die spiritually in the garden in that he was separated from God and plunged into a state of spiritual death, dead in trespasses and in sins, Paul would tell us later in the book of Ephesians, or he didn't die. And he can still help himself in some way to gain eternity, to gain eternal salvation. Beloved, I believe in a big God concept. A big God concept of a big God who, who, who takes a dead man and makes him alive. Who takes a man on his way to hell who ought to be burning in a devil's hell. He takes him out of that state and he sent his son to die for him. And his son didn't try to complete the task. He said, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. And beloved, I just believe in a big God. That saved his people from their sins. You see, the founders of Zion Primitive Baptist Church had a big God theology. We didn't get all the way through this first article today. We're going to come back to it, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks. But the founders, the charter members of Zion Primitive Baptist Church had a big God theology. What about our God? How big is He? Just how big is the God of Zion Primitive Baptist Church? Is He big enough to create a universe and uphold it by the word of His power? Is He big enough to have His way in the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth? Is He big enough to providentially take care of His people? Is He big enough to save His people from their sins? I believe that 175 years later, the God of Zion Church is still the big God that these founders believed in and that the Bible teaches. He's the God that didn't try, didn't attempt, didn't almost get there. But he's the God that saved his people from their sins. There's much more to come, but maybe this will serve as a little foundation for us. I hope the Lord will bless his word to our hearing. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.